The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, Bears fans, to this episode of Bear Bones. I am Dr. Mason West, and I have Kyrie Thompson here again, as he has been throughout most of this season. I got to get you on the intro. I I just have lost all motivation for some Bearsy things, but eventually I will get you on an intro. We'll get there. Yeah, it's we'll get there. It'll happen. We were talking about it a little bit before the pod, where it's like, I love the Bears. I I love watching the Bears mostly, usually, sometimes. It's it's kind of hard to, to get up for the rest of this season, knowing kind of what's ahead. Yep. And I mean, listen, I think that for one thing, the bears have basically no chance of making the playoffs at this point. Um, the one ye- the one week that there was hope um, they laid an egg. Then there was, <laughs> and, and essentially look, if, if you're a fan of Justin Fields, um, you know, basically once the Carolina Panthers most likely uh, give the number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears, well, that's probably it for him. So I think that there's there's just that level of burnout that comes with the discussion just over and over and over again doing this topic. You know, what's the Bears decision going to be? And, um, you know, has, has he earned it? Caleb Williams, Drake May, you know, Jaden Daniel, wh- whatever it is, Marvin Harrison Jr. It just feels like so much to continue to hash this discussion out every single week. And so it will be, it, it'll feel like a relief, honestly, once whatever happens finally happens and, and it's over. But I mean, it was a very, it's been a disappointing season 
And the best you can hope for at this point is just finishing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Some some of us would like to see the Bears finish with some segment semblance of dignity, but logic kind of says you should hope that they lose out. So again, it's again another year of this. Ah, it's just so tiring. It's I get it, and I can I kind of waffle to be honest on where I am with that. But I think because of that waffling, I've I have landed right in the middle where when I watch a Bears game like this upcoming Atlanta Falcons game, or even the last one against the Packers. It, it, I don't care the outcome, I guess, as bad as that sounds, because if they win, cool. You know, it's, it's another drop in the bucket of learning how to be a winning team. The young guys, right, being able to put drives together on offense, get stop on defense, the players that are going to be here for 2024, 25, 26, et cetera, um, maybe when they are a playoff team. But at the same time, if they lose that game, all right, cool. You move down the draft order now or up, depending on how you're going to phrase that, get, get a better player maybe even like or if you're going to trade back you get more equity in that trade back because of where that position lies so i'm straddling the fence i'm not going to lie just like i'm not going to lie i'm straddling the fence on this whole justin fields thing because as many know i mean i'm one of the biggest justin fields fans one could even go venture into the apologist realm depending on how you want to phrase that or look at it but at the same time you know it, it makes sense for all the reasons we've talked about on this show that you read to, to move on and one thing i do want to highlight Kind of this is the chart review where we're going to look back at last game where I'm not going to lie. I half watched that game. I was cooking a prime rib and and then eating said prime rib. So, yeah. you know, I, I was a little busy. But, you know, for what I do want to highlight connecting to that game that we're going to look back on a little bit. Uh, Adam Johns's article that he put out on The Athletic this yes. week, I thought it was a very good one. I thought it was succinct and definitely highlights why even if you are a lover of Justin Fields, uh, no you know phrasing, pause, however you want to look at that, that he has one line in particular that stood out to me and it said fields current level of production, particularly as a passer shouldn't be that difficult to replace. And while you can make all the excuses in the world, which aren't even excuses, they're valid reasons, whether it's the offensive line issues, at the beginning of the year, whether it's the disconnect that seems to be there with receivers, whether it's the terrible play calling and design that I still think does exist with the Luke Getze, it's year three. And he is by most metrics, especially the advanced metrics, a bottom third of the league quarterback as a, as a passer, as I think a passer, that when you specifically when you take, as a passer and, and right. And, and this is where I think you're kind of the, the whole, the money ball idea of this, right? So it's fair for you to look at the totality of what Justin Fields brings and say, well, hold on a minute. He's not just a passer. He's also a runner. Like he provides value in that way. And he does. And, and we should take that stuff into account, right? So last year, it wasn't just, well, he, 17 touchdowns through the air. He had 25 total touchdowns. This year, he has 15 touchdowns through the air, three touchdowns on the ground. Obviously, he's only played 11 games, so the rushing yards aren't where they were. But he's on pace to throw for more yards than he did last year in fewer games. And, he's, and, and his rushing is still going to have like – 600 700 yards rushing so it's like that that's still a thing but even with that being said i'm sure most coaches most talent evaluators what have you would be totally fine if a rookie comes in and gives you all those yards as a passer all that combined your 3000 yards as a passer and not as much or nothing as a rusher 
because I think ultimately, right, passing is the most efficient thing that you can do. And that's not to say that rushing has no value, especially as a quarterback, but it, it just isn't as, I, I think, important as important to most people as being able to throw the football because throwing the football generates more explosive plays. It, it, it generates more points. And so I think that it, it's fair to say, look, Justin Fields is more valuable than just what the passing numbers say. But I'm sure that if somebody said he, if, if a rookie could come in and give you about the same ish passing, but bet, but more efficient and, and, you know, potentially, you know, all those you know, combined yards just as a passer, people would take that instead. And then when you take that thought process and you extrapolate it, right, it's not just, and the thing that puts it over the edge for me right now is a, there's a difference between what I want and what I think is ultimately best for the team and what I think that Ryan Poles is ultimately going to do. Um, and so obviously there's, there's a gap there, but at the same time, when you take, like you said, if you have a rookie that comes in and even give you, if they gave you 75 to 80% of the yards that Justin's put out there, you know, you still, you're, you could probably look at the say this person's, they're a rookie, right? Like there's a reason for that. Right. They're going to get better. And they're going to get better. And you then add in also the, and we've talked about this, it's agnosium, so we don't have to dive heavy into it, but then the contract thing, right? Like picking up a fifth-year option, potentially going to an extension, the flexibility that a rookie contract gives you to go out and actually give the money to Jalen Johnson, like he deserves, because there's he's just one of the best cornerbacks in the league. It's We keep seeing chart after chart after chart where he's in the upper right corner and everyone else is below him. Um or to be able to go out and sign a throw money at a, a veteran center to be able to throw money at maybe a veteran receiver. Cause Darnell Mooney's out the door. <laughs> Let's be real. He's not going to be around. And yes, you're probably going to draft the receiver coming up, but having another veteran there would, would be helpful too. And, and you know, the list goes on of things that that flexibility gives you. Um, but looking at last game, as much as you, you know, you watched it, like looking back at the tape. Yeah. Did Justin's play, did that do anything for you? Like, especially against a, a Cardinals team that lets, Let's be real sucks. I mean, I think that the entire evaluation of this game is probably a bit overblown. I don't think that anybody that, that what he did against the Arizona Cardinals, good or bad, was really going to sway anybody unless it was so bad that you're like, oh, my God, this guy is unplayable, which he wasn't. So nothing that he was going to do in this game was really going to sway anything. For me, I will say that I'm a little maybe annoyed by the idea that, well, he didn't put up 300 yards against the Arizona Cardinals, so he's not good. It's like they weren't really trying to put up 300 passing yards on the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they lit it up in the first half and then they started chilling in the second half. And I think the game plan wasn't that good. And obviously, I think Justin Fields missed a couple of throws down the field. And but I, I feel like that's another thing that I feel like we've become so hyper-focused on every single throw that gets turned down or every single throw that gets missed. And you could say Justin Fields does it at a higher rate than, than other quarterbacks. And you may be right. But again, I think that it, that everything now, every play has become a piece of the narrative, every single snap. And I find it to be too much. Because I think when you look at the totality of, of this football game, is that it's just fine. You know, they they beat a team that they should beat. There weren't any crippling mistakes. I mean, the, the interception 
that fields through. I mean, I've seen people like really, oh, it was horrible. It was heinous. He just missed a throw. It happens. Quarterbacks miss throws, right? It's like he was a little late and he should have you know, thrown it more on a rope. You're going to find a lot of quarterbacks that get picked off on throws that they just missed a little bit. So I, I again, I just find it to be too much because I think that people are trying to still think about every single game and every single play as a referendum on, on him, where I think that at this point, I don't know that the decision is completely made yet, but if it is already made, then nothing he did against the Cardinals is going to matter. So when I, when I look at the game, I see, yeah, I mean, a lot of the same stuff that we've seen before. I think there are, again, continuing to be minor improvements in terms of pocket navigation, throwing with anticipation. Again, there are like two to three throws in this game where he threw it with anticipation, some throws where he layered it over, over defenders, you know, in between defenders. And it's like, okay, th this is, this is good. This is growth. This is good stuff. And again, managing a game without making a horrible, horrible mistake that is going to let the Cardinals come back into this one. Um, and, and again, right. What 170 passing yards, and I, I think that a lot of people wanted to see that be better. Yeah, sure. A lot of us would. But again, you're adding 97 yards on the ground. So that's like 263 yards of, of total offense and two touchdowns. Like, I think that people are really overdoing it with the idea that like, oh, my God, well, he sucked because he only threw for 170 yards. Like, come on, man. If you could hide like hide the jerseys, hide the names, and there, there's little dots moving on a screen or however you wanted to illustrate it. And you took Justin Fields' last couple weeks of and just some of the past plays. Yes, you would highlight, like you talked about earlier, like, oh, that that dot was open. You probably should have thrown it, especially if you threw it with some anticipation and put some zip on it. But And then they'd be like, but, you know, so you miss throws. It happens. And then if you took those, added the jerseys, the names, all of a sudden that narrative would change where people would be freaking out, like, oh, see, there it is. It was Justin Fields missing it again. Or if you took it and threw insert, I don't care who you want to put, you know, Herbert, if you want to put Mahomes, if you want to put just like a top third of the league kind of guy, it'd be like, oh yeah, it's fine. You missed a throw or two. I mean, I, yeah, it's like I, I watched Patrick Mahomes and, and again, there are lots of excuses for, for Patrick Mahomes. His receivers aren't very good. They're not. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of issues with that offense. You know, there's the Matt Nagy of it all. Um, and and, and it, it feels like he's having to be Superman, but look, just like here, there are plays where guys do get open, but the scar tissue of all the times in the game previously where it wasn't open, now he's not trusting it and he's turning it down and he's running out of the pocket. Like I feel like people have this idea of quarterbacks as just machines, that it's just a bunch of ones and zeros. And then if this, then this, you know, th then this every single time. And this is what you should do. And, and again, as much as I like somebody like JT O'Sullivan, and I love the, the, the breakdowns and kind of the brutal honesty of a lot of it. I feel like there are times where I get a bit annoyed with the idea of the ball has to come out here. The ball has to go here. And it's like on the whiteboard. Sure. And it's like, if you want to say that that's open, okay. But if a guy doesn't like it for whatever reason, or if he's being coached to do a certain thing, or as I see quite frequently on film that doesn't get talked about, <laughs> I feel like this offense, I mean, 
it's not just route spacing, but also route timing. That is awful. Where I think that Justin Fields is like wanting to throw a ball. And so why, why did it take so long for him to throw the ball? It's because the the pre the route that's supposed to clear the area hasn't cleared, and the defender is literally right there. And if he throws it, he's going to hit the defensive guy in the back of the helmet. So yeah, he waited a beat. There are so many reasons for why bad offenses are bad, and I feel like we reduce it a lot to the quarterback. And it's like, well, look at this. You know, is is a is the play caller bad because of the quarterback or? Uh, is it, is it vice versa? And it's like, well, when you have an offensive coordinator, who's independently bad, you know, uh, you know, bad independent of the quarterback, I feel like you have your answer, but yeah, I, I feel like this year's taught me a lot about how we view quarterback play and the nuances of it that I feel like a lot of us who watch film and can be very pedantic about it, about like, look in this concept, this is what should happen. It's like, if you watch the story of the play, sometimes there's more to it than that. Well, and that I think is a good transition into the concussed corner. So for me, it's funny you went where you, where you went, because uh, mine's kind of similar where unless you're sitting in that offensive room, the quarterback room, the whatever, and you're a part of discussion and the building of the game plan for that week, Yes, we're going to do it. It's, we're going to we're going to over we're going to analyze. We're going to look at. We're going to say, hey, this is where the ball probably should have gone. This, that, and the other. But to sit there and and pretend and say that we know where it's supposed to go. You know, a good example being, yes, this route that came open eventually might have been the second read. But when he when he, they were reading it, it wasn't open. Moved on to the third. Oh, look, it's you can't just go back to it. That's not how it works. You don't sit no, back you, to that. You read. can't go back to it. And it's like, look quarterbacks are riding a fine line here because then you want to talk about, Oh, this route came open later. Yeah. But then you also want to get on a guy for his internal clock being slow and he holds on the ball too long. So so which, which one is it? Which one is it? And, And I feel like one of the most annoying things I've said this word a lot lately in this podcast is when people talk about reading defenses, a guy can't read a defense or a guy doesn't go through his progression. Do you even know what you're talking about? Because sometimes reading the defense and going through your progressions are two completely mutually exclusive things. Mm -hmm. Because on some plays, you are reading a progression and it does not matter what coverage the defense is in. That's why they call it a pure progression. Because you just read the progression. Sometimes you have to read what the defensive coverage is and pick a side. Or or you're, you're reading a progression based off of a certain coverage. But again, I just feel like people just be saying stuff because it makes them sound like they know what they're talking about. And it's like, we got to get better. We got we got to do better than that, right? And I'm not going to sit up here and say, like, I know everything about quarterback play or I know everything about, about scheme and, and all of that. You know, I watch film and the terminology sometimes is is not something that's native to me. But I feel like what I try to do is just watch the story unfold. Look where the eyes went. Look at at what the defense is trying to take away in a given situation. If a guy, if a, if a cornerback jumps a route a little bit earlier, is hedging their bets on something, and a quarterback passes on, like I feel like I, I try to study that stuff a little bit more intuitively. Um, and again, sometimes you could be right, sometimes you could be wrong, but I just feel like 
this year especially has been really good practice at that because there are that we we throw around a lot of buzzwords right anticipation oh my god anticipation yes and anticipation and progression and you know i i i feel like you got to dig a little deeper to find out sometimes what that stuff means and that's where i do appreciate when you do have you mentioned jto Sullivan from the qb school I'll, I take more stock into what he says on it than than others because at least he stood in the pocket in NFL practices and things of that nature yeah. and can say, I saw this and this is how I was told or to react or how I reacted. Like, I've never played quarterback besides flag football, seven on seven. I cannot tell you what it is like to sit in the pocket and have to go through the pre-snap process of looking at an NFL defense and then how to, that defense changes post-snap and then how I'm supposed to go through one, two, three, and then, oh, wait, but one's difference. And then I, I don't have that. And I can't say that. And I know that. And I say that when I do this analysis, it pisses me the hell off when people who have never played the damn position and spend never played in the NFL, never played in college or, and was an offensive lineman in high school, tried to say, this is exactly how it should have been done every single time. That just, it pisses me off. No, I and I can't and, handle it. And there, there is no, it's, this is how it should be done every single time that, that that's not a thing because every play is its own entity. There can be any, any, any number of variables, any infinite number of possibilities that you can have. And very rarely are you going to see exactly the same team, same thing every single time. One thing, and just to kind of like wrap this up, cause I know we got other stuff we want to talk about, yeah. <laughs> but I like watching all of the kind of quarterback related to the bears, right? So JT O'Sullivan will do plenty of Justin field stuff. And I like cross watching with Tim Jenkins and with, um, and with chase Daniel, because I think that, you know, chase Daniel, I think rubs some people the wrong way because he, he can feel kind of Homer-ish or like, you know, people think that about Tim Jenkins as well. Tim Jenkins me, really chase likes Justin Daniel field. Tries to clear his sinuses every like yeah. three seconds. That gets but, but I, I think that all of them, have different ways of looking at the game mm -hmm. and they point out different things. Like there will be some times where it's like chase Daniel for whatever you think about him will point out something about a rule that, you know, a receiver is supposed to have in a given situation and show like, okay, on the film, Justin Fields was expecting him to do this and he did something different. And that's why Fields didn't throw the ball. There was actually one example in the Detroit game where Cole Komet fooled fields and people were like, well, why didn't he throw it to Komet, you know, streaking down the middle of the field? Cause that wasn't what he was supposed to do. Um, he was supposed to throw it across the middle because Komet was supposed to be running basically like a, like a dagger. And instead he carried it up the seam. And so fields is like, dog, what you doing? And then he ends up, you know, throwing something else. So it's like, there, there are all these little nuances to it. I think the ultimate thing to wrap it up is Justin Fields has, you know, kind of been done dirty. Um, I feel like there are too many people that want to simplify it simply into saying, well, he's just not, he just wasn't good enough. And, you know, they, they built around him in year three and he didn't do enough. It's like, okay, bringing DJ more helps, but let's not act like this is some kind of all-star unit. Still not an uber talented offensive unit. It's not a well-coached offense. I think we see examples of that every single week. It's not a well-coached offense. But in the end, Justin Fields hasn't produced enough. He hasn't won enough. And time is just running out.
And so that kind of is what it is. And so when, you know, when slash if the Carolina Panthers give the Bears the number one overall pick, to me, the path forward is clear. I think that if you if you really stop to think about what they should do in this situation, what Ryan Pohl should do, what his purpose is for this team, it's clear. So we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, well put. All right, quick break here, and then we're going to get into looking at this game against the Atlanta Falcons. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All right, we back. Training room roundup. This is where we're going to take a look at the injuries on both sides of the ball and see what we got, what's happening here. Good and bad news right now for the Bears. Tevin Jenkins back to full after that concussion. And it was a scary concussion on the field. It was not one of those normal kind of dingers. Looked a little dizzy. They give me the collapse, everything like that. I mean, you're worried about spinal cord stuff when you see that. So it's awesome that he's back after only missing one week. Two of the ones that really stand out uh, that might worry you if you're someone that's rooting for the Bears to either win or just show some offensive prowess. Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney did not participate. Cole Komet with that knee, uh, which he suffered a little earlier in the game against the Cardinals. And then Darnell Mooney, concussion. Uh, something that came up a little later, some of those post-concussive symptoms. Between the two, and I think the answer is relatively obvious, who are you more concerned about missing from this unit if you're looking for offensive success? Well, Darnell Mooney hasn't been doing much of anything anyway, so I don't necessarily view that as a, as a huge, huge loss. And again, that could be, you could blame that on him, you can blame it on Fields, you can blame it on Getze, whomever, but Mooney's loss is not probably going to hurt as much as Cole Komet's. Komet, is, that, that, that's, that's a huge problem because that's Fields, one, one of his most trusted guys, the most trusted guy after DJ Moore. So without, without commit, then it becomes DJ Moore and a bunch of other dudes. Um, you know, Robert Tunyon is, is a capable guy. So that's why he's here, right. In, in order to kind of fill in and, and catch some, catch some balls when needed. So he's going to have to yeah. step up when he's, yes, in theory, catch the football. Um, <laughs> so that that's why he's here, but, uh, that's a huge problem. That's a huge red flag going into this game. And it, I guess it's going to be another opportunity for uh, the Bears offense to show that it can adapt to those losses. Um, obviously, it, it had struggled to do that against the Cardinals in the second half. But at least this week, they are a bit more aware uh, that they might not have Cole Komet in this one. Let's say both Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney both don't go for the sake of argument. Who would you want to see? get more targets, get more looks, get step up. And who would you expect actually would? I think that you're going to see more from Robert Tunyon. I think that Justin Fields has always had an affinity for throwing a tight end. So they are kind of a security blanket for him. This is going back to college even. Um, so I think you're going to see more from Robert Tunyon. I do think we've been seeing a bit more throwing to Tyler Scott and getting Tyler Scott involved lately. So I think you're going to see him 
kind of emerge as something of a of the wide receiver too in this scenario. You're probably going to see Valus Jones Jr. get the ball a little bit as well. Just <laughs> I'm looking at this one like DJ Moore, 25 targets. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, and we'll dive into this, but the, I mean, the Atlanta Falcons really don't surrender a lot of yards to, to opposing receivers. So, you know, as a whole, that might be a little bit tough. My answer to this would have been Bayless Jones. Not like, hey, he's going to have like nine targets or anything crazy, but, you know, some of those gadgety reverses, can he be the one that's actually out there blocking on a screen so that you can then run a reverse to him? Um, can you create something like a essentially an extended run play right on a, on a drag route, just get him moving with the ball instead of just having it be, Hey, just run deep, which he's shown some degree of to do of ability to do, but this just shows going forward into this next off season, how important the wide receiver position is ultimately going to be because it's DJ Moore. And then how comfortable are you? If let's say Darnell Moody's not brought back, which we're both thinking he isn't, you know, having Equinemia St. Brown, Valus Jones, Tyler Scott is kind of your next receivers. Yes. You can draft one, coming up because it is a pretty loaded draft class but especially with the bears currently sit if you you're not going to get marvin harrison you miss out on a neighbors you know it depends on uh, your your grades on some of the rest of these receivers in the draft i mean who are you and there's who are you comfortable with them going after and getting to fill this wide receiver well i think immediately you're thinking like roma dunze mm-hmm, and yeah. keon coleman are like the two names that jump off the list in, in in my head in terms of first round guys because i mean keon coleman is uh, he, he kind of reminds me of like souped up t higgins uh, like, like like a bit more like explosive t higgins which i mean t higgins is a guy who's probably about to get himself paid this offseason uh, because of his ability to go up and get the ball. Cause that that's one thing that this, that this offense is kind of lacking. Not that DJ Moore can't go up and, and get the ball because he's, he's a dog. You know, absolutely do that. But I feel like this offense could really benefit from somebody who just gives you margin for error, just literally in the red zone. Just, I'm just chucking this up here and go get it because Darno Mooney's not that guy. We've seen that time and time again. He is not that guy. He is not. Um, Cole Komet isn't even necessarily that guy either. He's just, he's big um, and he can kind of wall you off, but there's no real like vertical, I'm jumping up over you guy. Um, so I, I kind of look at Keon Coleman as, an, as a guy here, but I think I think Odunze can kind of um, do that as well. So yeah, I, I think the, the fantasy, right, is, uh, you know, if you want to draft Caleb Williams, and have an opportunity to get Malik neighbors as well, which is why I think a lot of people would really love for the bears to lose out here. Um, But if you can't do that, there are still like three other, you know, potential like great, like first round grade wide receivers that you can get. Short answer. Would you sign Mike Evans if he wanted to come to Chicago? Yeah. (laughs) That's not a convincing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, well, particularly if you have a rookie quarterback and you've got all the money, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what I was not? thinking. You save, you're saving some money. Yeah, you still draft a wide receiver. Obviously, you still have to do yeah, that. Yeah, you still draft a wide but receiver. Like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Get Mike Evans. Moving on to the Falcons and who they have. Uh, just a lot of limiteds for the most part. They're going to be pretty healthy coming into this game. Um you know, you know, Caleb McGarry's beat up, Jake Matthews beat up. Their whole line's been a, a problem all year long. Um, Taylor Heineke, who should be starting for them, limited with a bit of an ankle, but eh, there's not much to talk about here. And I don't know that it heavily matters anyway, uh, just because of 
the status of this team as a whole? I think, I mean, I, I feel like this offense, the, the offensive line for the Falcons, given how improved the Bears front has been, that's something you should be able to take advantage of. It, it, it's, it's always funny when Taylor Heineke is playing. He's like one of the ultimate YOLO players. Oh, for sure. He don't like, care. He just, he just absolutely does not care. So he's just, he's just going to be out there chucking. He's going to be out there slinging. We've seen the magic wear off before with Taylor Heineke this year, right? I mean, we've seen it in the past. We've seen it this year. Every once in a while, it's going to catch up to you. He's going to throw a ball that he shouldn't. He's going to take a terrible sack that he ought not to. I think that he's, at this point, you know that Desmond Ritter's not it. So you're fine with whatever um, you know, you're going to get out of Taylor Heineke. Um, particularly if the Falcons believe, which they, I, I imagine they still do, that they have any chance to win the division, make the playoffs. Oh, because that division I mean, sucks. Yeah, I mean, you get to nine games, you, you that's probably it. Or or you get to nine, if you get to nine wins, then you're probably in the playoffs in the NFC. So mm-hmm. they're still playing for something. And it says well, a the lot. The Bears are still been. playing for something. They're not eliminated. Yeah. Um, that's probably going to change in short order. Like basically like all the Packers like have to do is win. And I think, I think that's it actually. Um, because even if the bear, because I think if the Packers get to eight wins and like, I mean, the Seahawks and the Rams, they only need one win to salt this away as well. Um, and then, and then if the Packers win that more or less is the nail in the coffin for you, because I think that even if you beat them in week 18 i think they would still have tiebreaker over over you for a conference record yeah um so really yeah let, let's keep on hoping for those very unrealistic opportunities i mean in in the end you know what i i love a good root for an underdog i i know i know what i you know what you should be rooting for if you're a chicago bears fan um but i'm not going to be told i'm a bad bears fan for like taking some enjoyment in the bears potentially winning the last two games of the season Never because a fan well, had a fan just fan how you want yeah and ultimately look i have faith that whatever happens that kevin warren and ryan poles are smart enough to not get suckered that is the hope moving on to our knee jerk reaction mine's for this game so it's a hot take kind of going into this mine's more of a question um so let's assume that we're moving on from, from Justin. We is in the Bears. Um, is this game an audition for Justin to specifically be a starter for the Falcons? Or are we overblowing the Falcons connection because Brian Pace being there and creating, you know, Chicago South for over the last couple of years? Um, or the fact that, you know, Justin's just from the Atlanta area. Like, is the fact that we think Arthur Smith wants a mobile running quarterback? I mean, they got Desmond Ritter in the draft and he's not that at all uh when they had an opportunity the falcons passed on justin when they first drafted him yep is this like actual storyline or is this just bears fans just connecting some loosely positioned dots i feel like that first part of what you said probably rings the most true to me they could have drafted justin fields they could have let him sit behind matt ryan if they wanted to and they chose not to And so I don't know why last year's game against the Falcons or even if he went off this year against them, I mean, maybe that might change some things. But again, you also have to keep in mind, you know, I'm very curious to see how this shakes out in terms of where or who trades for Justin Fields because he's cheap for one more year. 
But then what do you do? Do you just trade for the one year of Justin Fields? Or do you pick up the fifth year option right away and say, you got two years to prove yourself? What, like, what, how do we want to approach that? I feel like the Falcons, depending on where they end up, you don't know. Maybe they'll be in a position where they could potentially draft a guy. They, they could just do that. So I, I feel like there's an element of it that feels like dot connection just because he's from there and he was he's a Georgia boy. He was at Georgia before he went to Ohio State. Um, and the other thing is, like, are we 100% sure Arthur Smith is going to be there at the end of this year? I don't know that we can be 100% sure about that. So I, I'm kind of in a wait-and-see mode about that. I've seen him connected to the Raiders as well, uh, meaning Justin Fields. Um, you know, people talk about the Steelers, right? There, there are other teams that could potentially be in this mix. So I'm not necessarily looking at it as like, oh yeah, it's definitely the Atlanta Falcons could be, but we'll see. I, I feel like I've been almost like kind of turned off on that recently for some reason. I, I think that's just a feeling. Yeah. It just seems like low hanging fruit. Um, what is your knee jerk reaction? Hot take going into this game. Um, it's that I think that the, uh, bears passing offense is probably going to struggle a little bit without Cole Komet in particular, and that people are going to look at this again and say, well, Justin Fields can't elevate people or, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he's just not it. And he's, you know, still going to have, you know, a hundred something yards passing, maybe 200, you know, maybe you'll get to that, that threshold and they're going to have, he's going to have like 70, 80 yards rushing. And again, we're just going to forget that because that doesn't count. Um, and, and again, I feel like when you watch the film that there's you know probably going to be improvement. But again, we're all going to get stuck on the two, three throws, two, three snaps. We're like, why didn't you throw this? And the narrative is going to continue that you know he's he's still just like a remedial passer when I think that he's clearly gotten better. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it my hot take is that I'm just gonna be even more annoyed one way or another coming out of this game than I was going into it. But then again, that's kind of cold. You have Aiden O'Connell, Taylor Heineke, Tommy Cutlets, who got benched. You're not you're playing uh Stidham over in Denver. Like, come on, like the people who are acting like Justin is a bad quarterback is wild. We're see, we you see what bad quarterback play is. I'm not even going there. Um, my we're moving on to be perfectly honest, something brutally honest going into this game. For me, I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the bears aren't good by most metrics, especially in advanced ones. For example, they rank 23rd in DVOA, 22nd in offensive and 16th in defensive DVOA. That being said, the Falcons are worse. <laughs> they rank a few spots below the Bears at 25th overall while flaunting a 24th and 19th rankings in offensive, defensive, DVOA, respectively. And I find that kind of funny that there's just two teams that don't stop the other team very well. Yes, the Bears have had a bit of a renaissance over the last couple of weeks, but we have seen still some meltdowns uh, almost happening against the Cardinals. Obviously, the Lions won, the Browns won. Uh, so it just makes me chuckle a little bit, especially when uh, people are then trying to br uh, bring this over. So that's my brutally honest take. I think, yeah, I, I think that 
the Bears defense in particular is has been good and, and therefore had the team trending towards average. But I would still say that the offense as a whole is still not that great. And and again, I think the idea like adding DJ Moore, who is who is a real number one right wide receiver, has obviously paid dividends because he is that good. He's probably gonna set his career high in receiving yards this coming game, right? And and he'll do it in 16 games. So it's not just because of the added game. Um, but I mean, he's he's good. That's just what he does. He gets a thousand yards every year. That that uh, that's DJ Moore. Um but I think that when you look at the totality of the offense, the offensive line is getting is growing and kind of getting better and, and, and gelling with time. But I wouldn't say that it's like a top 10 unit in the NFL next year. It might be, though. I mean, with, with more time playing together, it could well be. But this year, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's still they, they can get handled by good teams. You know, it is what it is. That's fine. Um, so I, I think that. Yeah, to be honest, the Bears are just not a good offensive team by any stretch. And fortunately, they're coming up against a team that is also not good. I think that if I had to pick a team that is less not good at this particular moment, I'd say it's the Bears. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, for for me to to be perfectly honest, um <laughs> I think Let's see. I'm trying to think of something that's not quarterback or offensive coordinator related, um, but it, but it's really hard for me. Uh, but but a- actually, let's go ahead and have it be something that was related to uh, what I was saying earlier. I think that we really overrated Darnell Mooney. I think that I mean, he's, I think he's a good player. He'd be a good third receiver on a good team, but. I think that what we've actually seen over the past couple of years is, you know, potentially we've seen Luke Getze just kind of mismanage him a little bit, but we've seen that he's best as a guy that is paired with someone who's better or maybe multiple options who are better. And he got a thousand yards in, in what 2021, because he was the only receiver who was out there trying (laughs) Um, because Allen Robinson wasn't really feeling it at that, at that point in time. But when you try to put him in featured roles and featured situations, not like he doesn't get open necessarily all the time, but he's he's not your number one type of playmaker. He might not even be your number two type of playmaker. And so I don't think that the Bears are missing a whole lot without him on the field. They haven't missed him a whole lot when he's been on the field. Um, and again, that's not all his fault. But I, I feel like when we talk about the lore of this team, and the fact that, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, why couldn't they get the most out of Darno Mooney? It's like, did I think maybe we forgot for a minute there that Darno Mooney was a fifth round, you know, fifth round pick. And that he was good in a in a bad, on a bad team in a bad situation where he was the only guy who was out there really trying to do anything. But since then, when he's had an opportunity to have his role step up, it hasn't turned out. I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle with Darnell, right? Like he's definitely, when people are talking about, oh yeah, he's a, he can be a number one during that time period where, you know, between the shift from Al Robinson to him being that number one receiver at, on the depth chart, at least, and where he's at now, where kind of the forgotten man, what are you doing? Why aren't you producing at all? Um, 
That's, and that's, I just find that's usually where it is. Like on certain teams, could he truly be a number two with the right situation, the right quarterback, the right scheme, et cetera? Yeah, I think so. I think you need someone. That's a good example. Like, uh, um, this is going to piss people off. A Mac Jones, someone who's a timing route kind of a person, right? Versus like Justin, who's more of a go up and get it kind of quarterback. Uh, I think he'd do well. I mean, he'd probably do well with Pat Mahomes. You know, send him on a slant crosser, and I uh, and Mahomes would hit him. Well. I, it, I think he needs to be in the right situation because if you look around the league at other number twos, like I don't know, I think he's just as good as Gabe Davis. It's fine. You use the Chiefs. He's just as good as who's their number two right now. Like, technically, probably Tony is their number two, I guess. Right? Behind oh my God! I Rasheed mean, Darnell Mooney's definitely better than Kadarius. So, so I mean, it's just situation based. <laughs> Um, well, ain't this humorous, something quirky or funny. I'm going to stick to the defense, uh, be not even just the defense, but Eberflus. I find it funny that there are people who are currently pushing so hard for him to be the head coach. I'm not saying it's even a loud majority. It's probably just a loud minority, but when so many people are calling for his head and I use some stats to back this up, you know, this deep, this, there's been problems. Like an example is that Greg Dorch 38 yard touchdown that happened last week. Right, it was ranked tenth in next gen's incredible yard after catch with 18 yards over expected. Go to the week before that, Amari Cooper's 51 yard touchdown reception that ranked third with 26 yards after catch over expected. Yes, offenses are paid too. Big plays happen, but that shouldn't happen against your defense consistently, where they're letting up these big plays that, by most metrics and these advanced stats, like oh that shouldn't have happened. You go even further. I, I'm on Adam John's kick today because he had a tweet out earlier this week showing some defensive rankings since week five. So this recent stint, they're still doing well in yards, run defense, first downs allowed, explosive per- play percent, et cetera. You can look at those specific rankings, but there are still some issues. They're 21st in pass defense in a passing league. They're 13th, so middle of the road and third down percent. They're 29th in red zone efficiency and they're 29th in sack percent. I mean, yes, it was so bad before that this recent surge barely helps it, that factors in. But when you factor all of that together, to me, that does not spell, and I, I have no indi- thought process or indication currently of where if Luce will ultimately be back. That's still to be seen, but that's not good. Like that's come on now. I think I think the other thing to keep in mind here is look at the look at the quarterbacks that the Bears have beaten, and and again, we knew this coming into the season that this, that this was going to be a potentially soft schedule, and they might get another one next year. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but they've beaten Josh Dobbs and they've beaten up on, on Jared Goff just because Jared Goff just has a couple of games like that. And he's had them against Chicago both games this year. Like for whatever reason, they've just got his number. They've they've beaten up on the ghost of Brian Hoyer. They <laughs> the lost to Joe Flacco, who was sitting on his couch. Though Joe Flacco has been piecing everybody up, so you got so you got to give him some props about that. But I yeah, some they props. Lost to like, Joe Flacco, come who, on. Who, like showed up three weeks ago or four, or, I don't know, four weeks ago, and just started playing, and now he's out here, you know, balling and just slinging it deep, right? So, and and then and then you you you've just lost to a bunch of or you've beaten a bunch of bad teams. And bad quarterbacks, which is what you should have been doing, of course, if you're if you're a decent team. But again, Justin Herbert, you went up against Justin Herbert and he he took you apart. Easy. Didn't even, didn't even look difficult. And yeah, I know like that that wasn't like the, the full-on Montez sweat effect yet at that point. 
Um, I, I get that. But, you know, you, you also got annihilated by Patrick Mahomes, right? Like they, you, you lost to the good quarterbacks and the good offenses, the good teams. So until you show that that's not what you're going to do, then I feel like we got to take that with a grain of salt. And maybe maybe week 18 will be a more interesting test of, okay, how do you fare against the Green Bay Packers next time around? But let's also not pretend that the Green Bay Packers are an elite offense themselves. No, they're mid as hell. I don't, I, I it's, I refuse to acknowledge at this point based on what we It would feel them. good to beat them, but again, yeah. let, let's not overdo it. So what do you find a bit uh, humorous? <laughs> I, I, I had it in my, okay. Here, here's something that's humorous in kind of a grim way. How many times are we going to ask Justin Fields about, Oh yeah, so um, everybody's talking about the fact that the Bears are going to draft a quarterback with the number one overall pick, um, and they're going to trade you. Uh, how do you feel about that? How many times do we want to continue to do that and expect a different answer? And even like Jason Leisure of the Sun Times was on six seventy the score today, and and they posed him that same question, and he was like, "Oh no, we're going to do it one more time uh, next week. We're going to like." ask him like what it's going to be like for him to potentially play his last game as a Chicago bear. And it's like, but he's serious, right? Because it's like, it's a question that you you feel like you have to ask. I feel like it is, it is funny in the least funny way. And then you think about Russell Wilson, right? Like basically being told like, dog, you're getting benched, not because you've been bad, but just because you're too damn expensive. Yep. And like we need, it's like we traded for you last year, and we gave up two firsts, two seconds, and a fifth, or whatever it was, and and like another and, and another player, and we did all that. But Sean Payton's not happy with how you're running his offense after like half a season, and you won't remove your injury guarantee, so we're just gonna have to get rid of your ass. And it's just like, God, the way that we treat quarterbacks in this league is so goofy. It's bad. It's it's bad, bad. It's embarrassing to be honest. And 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 I I feel like I understand to an extent that most fans are going to feel bad for a guy who's got generational wealth and he's going to be fine at the end of the day. Which is part of why you you see somebody like Justin Fields being like, look, at the end of the day, I'm I'm straight. Like I'll be okay. Um, he's got endorsement deals. He's gonna he's gonna get some money later. It's it's gonna be fine. But this idea that, like, I don't know, like, we we really kind of think of these guys as totally discardable, like, just not even worth, like, the slightest sense of, like, I don't know, like, sympathy or just, like, damn, it must be really hard for people to just be straight preying on your demise every single week. Like, we got people out here that are just like, yo, I hope Justin sucks so that, like, you know, so the Bears lose out. And it's just like, don't we realize how corny that is? I think I'm in maybe the minority of this just because I'm kind of the pseudo media or whatever, but like, I don't know. I think the, the media responsibilities of players is way overblown of what it should be in my humblest of opinions, especially for the quarterback who needs to be the face of the franchise. The fact that we slap these people in front and be like, Oh, they don't talk well on the podium. And it's like, who gives a hell? They ripped the football better than anyone else. Like, I just don't care. I just personally don't. And then the fact that, I mean, in most jobs, if, 
when people justify also it by saying like the whole generational wealth thing, oh, you get paid millions of dollars, so you should have to get out of here. I don't care what you get paid. I don't care if you're making minimum wage or making millions of dollars. You don't deserve to get torn apart at the moments after you lost or made a mistake or something like that. But again, I know I'm, yeah. I'm in the minority on that thought yeah. process. And and I know most people aren't going to care and they're going to be like, wah, wah, like who again, like they make a ton of money. They're in a great position. I'm sure they all recognize that. But to me, that doesn't really change the way that, you know, I would talk to somebody or the kind of questions that I would ask. Um, then again, like I, I get it the first couple of times you're asking the guy about his future and what's next for him. But after a certain point where he's just like, yeah, I can't really uh, control that. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm literally just trying to get better at football. <laughs> it's like at a certain point, I don't know what the point is. What you need to know. Some interesting tidbits before we dive into the end of the show here. Uh, the Bears-Falcons rivalry has been played 29 times with the Bears winning 15 of those games and the Falcons winning 14. Bears lost their last game 24-27 to last year. If you recall, Fields ran for 85 yards with a touchdown despite suffering a left shoulder injury on the Bears' final possession, which ended up being an AC joint sprain that knocked him out for a while. Talk about this game specifically. Love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. What do I love? I love, in terms of this matchup, that Arthur Smith is the Falcons head coach and refuses to use his good players. He took Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson and made them normal when they are abnormal freaks in the best way possible. In the last four games, Bijan Robinson has one touchdown and a total of 47 carries. He did have seven catches for 50 yards in the last game. But, you know, look at Kyle Pitts. His targets in the last six games, starting with last week, 4-4, uh, Drake London had a wild 11 targets and 10 receptions a few weeks ago. But against Tampa last week, he had four, uh, three targets. He had, sorry, four and three targets in the last two. Like, I've just never seen someone that mismanages they're awesome pieces as much as Arthur Smith seems to. And that's a good thing if you want the Bears to win. Yes. Um, I love the idea of, I mean, I probably love Taylor Heineke against the the um, Bears defense uh, a little bit less than Desmond Ritter. But I love the potential for the Bears uh, interception streak to continue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hates. Falcons pass defense against the Bears pass offense, especially against a team with a, I still think, hobbled DJ Moore. I know he's not on the injury report, but just watching how he played last week, going into this week and knowing how ankles tend to heal, I'm still wary on it. Anyway, Falcons have allowed seventh least passing yards this season, and in the last three games have only allowed 170, 154, and 142 passing yards. Boom. We hate that. Um and in particular, what I what I would hate from that is the lack of Cole Komet. Because if not having DJ Moore be 100% sucks. But it's okay to an extent if you have the next guy that is the most trusted. The, the one who has really, I think, broken out into, into a strong player. Um, I will say that you know the 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 other part about this that that sucks, but maybe is is cause for hey maybe Robert Tunyon might do some stuff. Um, the the Atlanta Falcons rank what it, what is this like twenty fifth in the league or something like that? Um, they're they're down there in terms of the league. 
in terms of yards allowed to tight ends, receiving yards. So they give up about 62 yards to tight ends in, in every game. Um, so, hey, maybe Robert Tunyon can do some things here, but I really hate the fact that Cole Komet looks like he's not going to play in this one. That is rough. Um, my rehabilitate. Third and fourth down with little to go, short scenarios. Still too many cute-ass plays <laughs> instead of either – Letting Justin keeping the ball in Justin's hands for either a run or a pass, or just handing it off and trying to just push it ahead for a yard. There's too many of the, the still the DJ Moore end arounds, the weird little flip plays, the you know, there's just funky stuff. Just line up and tush push, just line up and hand the ball for a yard, just line up and boot Justin with an option of a slant or he's going to take off. Like it's, I just don't get it. It's very frustrating. So please fix that because that would have shifted a lot of games so far this year if you could have gotten some of those third and fourth down and short scenarios. Agreed. Um, rehabilitate it. Don't throw screens because your wide receivers can't block them. They're bad. Um, so how about handing the ball to your receivers more? I think that, I mean, minus, you know, the, the bad Tyler Scott play on third and one, um, but also one of the, um, you know, Bayless Jones had one last week that didn't work out quite as well. I like the idea of them handing the ball to their wide receivers and stretching the field that way. Because, I mean, I think in that case, you're just allowing people to block the way they would normally block. And you're letting your speedy wide receivers get to the edge or cut it up field, do what they're going to do. I want to see Bayless Jones get some carries in this game. Because I feel like when they do hand him the ball getting downhill, he's, he's done decently this year. If, if, if he's going to have to play a role in this game, which he's going to if Darnell Mooney's not going to be involved, then I want to see him. Yeah, he's going to get some chance to catch the ball, but I think they should hand him the ball plenty. Absolutely agreed. X Factor for the Falcons. Um, I have control Taylor Heineke a little bit, uh, but at the same time, be smart and unleash him when you can. Uh, so, you know, after a turnover, after a uh, try, try to get that big play, you know, if you can get a second and one, second and two, let Heineke then gunsling at that point. But you do got to wrangle him in a little bit because as Kyrie talked about earlier, he will give you the, the ball uh, and you get some of those random four interception games that he'll have. So if they can do that, the Falcons absolutely have a chance of winning this game. I also think the this could be a Bijan Robinson X factor game. If the Falcons just decide suddenly they want to give him the football, whether it's out of the backfield or as a receiver. Cause again, I feel like there's that part where since week one with Aaron Jones, I feel like teams haven't necessarily taken big advantage of the Chicago bears linebackers against pass catching running backs. The lions did it to an extent with Jameer Gibbs, but I think that I would not like the matchup. And, and I love TJ Edwards. I Oh, God, he's, he's been so good. I love the guy. I like what he's done. But I don't love that matchup. So it would probably behoove the Falcons to try to get the ball to Bijan Robinson as much as possible, which we know that they're probably not going to do. But it's something I'm worried about. Two of my fantasy teams can attest to that. <laughs> X Factor for the Bears. Uh, this is, can go for a lot of teams, but especially this team. Stay ahead of the chains. I mean, there's such a huge difference between second and six versus third, you know, third, second and 10, or even first and 15 because some of the penalties have bit them in the butt. Like, just get a couple positive yards on that early, on the early down, first and second down. And also, 
make sure the script is not run, run, pass. That's it. Tevin Jenkins, kick some ass. We need you. Man, I just I hope he can stay healthy long term. He'd be so fun. Um, over unders, throw a couple at you, see what you got. Over under, Justin Fields passing yards two hundred. Under. Understandable considering this defense. Uh, Justin, or sorry, Atlanta allows an average of two hundred eleven passing yards per game. Chicago Bears rushing yards in totality one hundred and thirty. Over. Excellent. Bears average one hundred and forty two rushing yards per game this season. Bijan Robinson carries 12 and a half. Oh, sure. Why not? He does average 12 and a half right on the dot. So that's a decent, that's a decent number there. Valus Jones touches two and a half over over. Wow. Okay. That was an easy over uh, Taylor Heineke passer rating 75 and a half. Ah, <sighs> I'm going to say over, but not much over. Heineke has a passer rating of 88.8 this season. Bears turnover ratio over under two and a half. Mm. Like Bears in the positive? Bears are, yeah, plus two. Yeah, Bears plus two and a half. Might go under on that one. And I think that's fair. I mean, they've had a bunch in the recently, but on the season, they have 23 takeaways and 25 turnovers this season. So game predictions, picking against the spread. This game, Bears are favored. Falcons, Bears, Bears by three. Who you got? Bears. Duh, Bears. Duh, Bears. All right, Jets at Browns. Uh, Browns are favored by seven and a half. Tonight's game. Picking against the spread. Yeah, Browns. <laughs> Browns. Um, Amari Cooper out tonight just also popped up. Yep. Um, weird Saturday game because that's happening still. Lions at Cowboys. Cowboys favored by six. Lions. Ooh. Panthers at Jaguars. Jaguars by seven. Last time I looked, but maybe it's different with Lawrence's current status. Ooh. I feel like that's going to be a we- I feel like that's going to be a weird one. I'm going to say Panthers. Panthers um, cover, but don't win. You were going to piss some people off if you said otherwise. Cardinals at Eagles. Eagles favored by 10 and a half, obviously, because I care about the Cardinals and what happens with their first round chances. Got to be the Eagles. I, I mean, if Jalen Hurts probably doesn't even throw the ball one time to win this game. Uh, we got 49ers at Commanders. Commanders favored by 13 and a half. Uh, I might be the only one interested in wait, the wait, outcome wait, of this wait, game. Wait, 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 what? Oh, sorry. 49ers are favored by 13 and a half. I was about to say, (laughs) damn. (laughs) Tommy are not, are not that. Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not taking the 49ers on that one. Commanders are ass. Uh, And then lastly, Packers at Vikings. Vikings favored by two. If the Packers win this, obviously big playoff implications. They lose next week becomes very interesting. Give me Packers. Vikings are starting Jaron Hall. Don't trust rookies. All right. Real quick, we're going to do one each, a Coxix and Bull story. This is our bull prediction section. My bull prediction is a touchdown for Tyler Scott because he just doesn't get touchdowns. He deserves one. Let's see. How about... Hmm. How about a... 
I, I was I was gonna predict a defensive touchdown for somebody, but you know that's probably unwise. How about an interception for Kyler Gordon? Interception for Kyler Gordon. I like it. And that's where we're gonna call the show today. Thanks for everyone for joining us. Appreciate it, especially you know this bear season is a funky one. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of questions. You know, is Justin staying? Is he leaving? Or is it going to be a rookie next year? There's just so much that's going to be going on. I'm kind of happy, as we kind of talked about earlier, that the season is coming to an end just so we can maybe get some more answers heading into this upcoming draft season. Uh, Kyrie, anything you got? I was going to close with go Bears, but I don't want to piss people off. So um, I guess go Jags. Go Jags. We can all agree on that. Uh, don't forget, like, leave comments, please. It does actually help. I was always that person like, why would I leave a like? This is stupid. No, it really does help us uh, get more visibility and also get, lets us learn and be better. So hit us up with those comments down below, whether it's you know, on YouTube or you can always tweet us. That's scrolling across the screen at West Sports PT for myself, at Kyrie, uh, KD Thompson 5 for Kyrie. Peace out, y'all.